Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. Welcome this week, Impact Cyber Church. I'm so glad you've taken this time to join us. I'll tell you what, you're going to be glad to. Today, we're talking about the path to peace. And we started out back at the beginning of the month talking about one of the characteristics of the two worst generations uh, in history. And, and one was in a time in the ancient past, and another is the time that we're, that we're living in now. And one of the characteristics of, the, of this, these groups of people is the way of peace they have not known. Now, that word way, uh, particularly in, in the Hebrew, is the, the same as the word path. So there is a pathway, or let me say this, a process to arrive at peace. Now, the, the process that we have to arrive at peace is a process that is rejected by so many people because number one, some people just are so offended and hurt at the way religion in the past has made everything so negative and hard about dealing with our life issues that they've rebelled against that and just come up with their own ideas. Some people are just really ignorant of what the scripture says about how to deal with those things. And then we've got a pop theology today that basically just says God loves you so you don't have to deal with anything. So today we're gonna to talk about how to deal with stuff so that's not negative, it's not, it doesn't beat you down, it doesn't condemn you, but you just deal with it and you get past it and you find your peace. Now remember, we're, talk, we're not talking about just finding peace like the world gives. We're not talking about just any kind of peace. We're talking about the peace of God. So it's not just a subjective feeling of tranquility. It's not just a subjective peace. You know, you can get subjective peace by getting drunk, by getting stoned, by taking drugs, by believing a lie. I, you know, there's all kinds of ways to have a subjective moment in time where you feel tranquil. But the difference with the peace of God is the peace of God is the result of connecting to God intimately, connecting to God heart to heart. And in that connection, there is, there is the assurance and the realization that all of God's resources in this realm that we call the kingdom of God, all of the resources within that realm are ours. And it's something that we experience out of our connection with Him. And so the peace that God gives is a tranquil state of mind that has a foundation in the fact that all of God's resources are ours. In other words, all of our needs are met. We don't have to be afraid of anything. God's resources are at our disposal. Now, <clears throat> one of the things that, that we tend to not get, first of all, is that what we call the Old Testament is what the apostles called the Scripture. And many people think that because the Old Covenant has been done away with and we have a New Covenant, they think that the Old Testament has been done away with and that we have a New Testament. Well, 
you know, the, the apostles never wrote any of the things that they wrote under this, uh, under this consideration that it would be considered scripture or even under a consideration that it would replace what they referred to as the scripture. Because everything the apostles taught about God, everything they taught about Jesus, everything they taught about the new covenant was rooted in what we call the Old Testament or what they called the scriptures. And so if we throw that away, we have thrown away the knowledge base for everything about Jesus. Listen, there are so many crazy doctrines floating around, doctrines, uh, uh, weird doctrines about the second coming, weird doctrines about healing, weird doctrines about dealing with sin, weird doctrines about prophecy. And, and, and these weird doctrines come uh, because of really is just the absence of scriptural knowledge. People, people are, are coming up with uh, personal, private interpretations uh, uh, and, and vain imaginations about who God is and about what, what, what the Bible means when it says things because they're not rooting it in the scripture. I want to tell you, uh, the people who will not overcome in the tribulation or in the rise of the Antichrist, in the beginning of the sorrows, are going to be people who are not rooted in the Scripture because they will not know and recognize the voice of God. They will not recognize the history of God, and they will not know how to stay in a place of peace and, and, and how to trust God through these things. So, so we're, but we're talking, about, we're talking about coming to a place of peace where in our heart there is complete tranquility, there is a connection, a love connection with God. And, you know, we've talked about the fact that many people think that because God loves us, that means that the relationship is good. That is absolutely not true. God loves us when we're unfaithful. God loves us when we're in sin. God loves us before we got saved. But that does not mean there is a relationship. It does not mean we are, exp are experiencing or even can experience um, the benefits of the kingdom of God. We talked about this last week, and I know people will take this and make this real negative and twist this into something legalistic, but, you know, more than once Paul talks about, you know, there are, when people are involved in this sin, when they're, you know, when they're involved in these different things, he says they can't inherit the kingdom of God. It's not talking about earning the kingdom of God. It's not even talking about salvation. It's talking about this realm that we call the kingdom of God, wherein is access to all that God has for us, all that He's given to us in Jesus. You say, well, if He's given it to us, then we have access to it. I'll tell you something. You don't have access to anything that you do not have faith for. And I'm not talking about the kind of faith where you're trying to believe hard enough to get it. I'm talking about the kind of faith where you trust who God is, where you trust what God says, where you have an intimate relationship. I want to tell you something. Knowing what you have. See, we are relationship-oriented beings. God is a relationship-oriented being. Knowing what you have and what you can expect from any person is not based on the information that you just know about that person as much as it's based on a combination of that information and a relationship. When you have a relationship with someone, you know what you can trust about them. You know what you can expect of them and, and from them. And that's the way it is with God. This is a relationship. It's not just a legal contract. Uh, even We do have a legal contract called the New Covenant, but... We experience all these things relationally 
in our intimate connection with God. Now, we talked last week. I want to encourage you, if, this is your, if, this, if you're just now tuning in this, you might want to go back and listen to the previous four broadcasts before you listen to this one, because we're going to get into some stuff. If you don't have the right foundation, you can twist it the wrong way, or you can think I'm saying something that I'm, that I'm not saying. But, we, you know, we've already talked about, uh, the, about the process that people would go through in the Old Covenant to, to experience the peace of God. And in this process, they, they, they had already received forgiveness from God. They knew God's forgiveness was given to them and, and they would bring what they call a peace offering. And this peace offering was not an offering to try to get God's peace. It was an offering of faith acknowledging that they were at peace with God because they had resolved the things in their heart that had put them at odds with God. You know, um, as far as I know, I was the first person to teach this over over 30 years ago. And man, people have run down the road with this in some of the craziest concepts you could ever imagine. But see, one of the things that we understand from the Old Testament, remember in the Old Testament, the difference between the Old Covenant and New Covenant is not that that was law and this one is grace. That's, that's not really the real difference because the Old Testament was never meant to be legalistic. It was always meant to be faith and love and uh, an intimate connection with God. The difference is we have Jesus, which is the real thing. We're not just, we're not just using types and symbols um, to, to relate to God, which all those sacrifices were. They were just types and symbols, but, but what made it real was not the sacrifice. What made a person experience forgiveness was not the sacrifice. What made them experience forgiveness was the faith in their heart that they trusted God. They trusted Him enough to follow His process and they knew His word was good. They knew His promise was good. And the difference is we have Jesus. We have the real thing. You know, we're approaching God from the basis of, of the sacrifice of Jesus. He gave His life. His blood washes us. And when we exercise faith in that, we participate in it. So we have the real thing. They had the type. They, they had the shadow. But when they came with a peace offering, they were celebrating peace with God. Now, under the Old Testament, not the Old Covenant, remember, the ritual part of the Old Covenant is fulfilled in Jesus because we have the reality. But the revelation, what all of those things revealed to us about God, about Jesus, about the character and nature of God, about the second coming, uh, all of those things, none of, that's, none of that's done away with. The, whole, the idea that all that's done away with is basically presenting the idea that God has somehow changed. If God has changed, He's not God. If God has changed, how can we rely on His Word? Because His Word is ever, is ever unchangeable. So <clears throat> the Scripture teaches us that our sins separate us from God. Now, religion would say that your sins separate you from God because God's going to be mad at you and God's going to be out to get you if you sin. Well, that's really not the case. And even under the old covenant, God said, I don't want to be, I don't want to be disconnected from you. I, I, you know, I'm making a way for you to connect with me and know that we're at peace. But Paul helps us understand this. In Colossians, the first chapter, he, he talks about how that God has made peace with us, you know, through uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, and you who were alienated by your wicked works in your mind, he has reconciled. Now, many people have taken that to say, uh, you know, 
this was all in your mind. Jesus didn't really have to become sin. Uh, this was just in our mind. Jesus had, so Jesus was just kind of uh, uh, helping us see this a different way. No. What happens is when we wrong people, in any relationship, when you wrong somebody else, something in you changes about that relationship and how you relate to that person. And that's the same way it is with God. See, when something violates our conscience, violates our nature, violates who we were created to be, then, then there's all kinds of things that can happen, all kinds of dynamics. It can be fear, it can be shame, it can be condemnation, it can be guilt, it can be blame shifting, who knows, you know. But basically, because of what we are experiencing, we alienate ourselves from God. And so, and so Jesus came to cleanse our conscience so that we no longer had all of that working inside of us, making us afraid of God, run from God, hide from God, blame God, lie about God, justify, blame somebody else. You know, we don't have to go through all of that when we know that God loves us and God wants to be at peace with us and God has initiated the way of peace. Now, just because Jesus died for you to have peace does not mean you are having peace. God established a process that we saw in the Old Testament sacrifices, but that we walk out in our relationship with Jesus to come back to the experiential knowledge of peace. Remember, we talked about this a few programs back. The sacrifices provided a way for us to go through a process so that we could experience what we have in God, not just have an intellectual idea about what we have in God, but so that we could actually experience it. And we experience it in our heart because of faith. If you don't have faith in your heart, then you don't experience any of the promises of God in your heart. You experience them intellectually, you know them, you can quote them, but it really doesn't help you. By the way, let me ask you something. Does this kind of stuff help you? I mean, are, are you getting benefit from this? If you are, then there's two things you can do. Number one, just take a second right now and click below and like this program. And you know what? That will cause people all over the world to have the opportunity to see this program. If you're watching on, if you're watching on YouTube, just click the like button. If you're not watching on YouTube, then, then go on my website and like it. Go on YouTube and like it. Help me help people. But you know what? There's something else you can do. If this is helping you, I want you to do what other people are doing. You're hearing this today because somebody somewhere said, this is benefiting my life. I want other people to hear this. And you know what? If this is benefiting your life, somebody paid for this to happen for you so I could bring it to you for free so that you wouldn't have to pay anything to get this. And I don't ever want you to pay anything to have to get this. But what I do hope is that out of your gratitude to God, out of your celebration of thanksgiving to God, that you will join up with us. You'll become a world changer with us and you'll help finance it and make it possible for other people around the world to be able to hear this message. It's our goal to raise up one billion disciples around the world and we can only do it with your help. If this is helping you, then I want you to help get this to the rest of the world. All right, now listen. So the, the way that God prescribed for a person to reach the place of peace. And, and remember, it doesn't matter if you commit some kind of sin, some, some type of atrocity. It doesn't matter if you just fail to show love. Remember, if you fail to show love to somebody, it violates your heart. 
or your conscience. Uh, it doesn't matter if you don't even know why, but you just feel distance from God. You just have a sense of a lack of peace. The first thing you want to know is God's greater than your heart. Even though you're experiencing these things, that doesn't mean God's given up on you. It doesn't, it doesn't, in other words, your feelings cannot be what you trust. You can't say, this is what's going on with God because this is the way I feel. See, this is where you go back to the scripture and say, oh no, oh no, oh no, no, no. You know, nothing can separate me from the love of God. I can separate me from experiencing the love of God. I can make choices that separate me from all the resources that are actually given freely in Jesus. So that's, I'm a free will being. God made me where I can choose anything I want. I can choose life. I can choose death. And whichever one I choose and believe for, that's the one that's going to come into my life, even the, whether it's what God wants me to have or not. So you look at the scripture and you say, no matter how I feel, God is passionately wanting to reconnect with me. So on the basis of that, and see, remember, that's in that reconnection, in that personal involvement, that's where you experience fellowship. That word fellowship comes from the word koinonia, which means to share something that we have in common. So see, fellowship with God is not just hanging out with God. That's part of it. It's, it's not just reconnecting to God, but it is sharing what God has with us. In other words, all of his resources. We don't connect to the resources of God just by walking around and confessing it and claiming it and all that kind of stuff. And I'm not saying that that never happens on some level, but I'm going to tell you the way you live in these resources instead of just trying to get them all the time is when you stay in fellowship with him where you know that everything that he has is yours and you're experiencing that through your relationship. And in that intimacy, in that connection, he, he, he shares with you not only what he has, but he shares it in a way that makes you feel loved and, and, and uh, you know, all, all of these healthy things that we want to have happen. So, so that's the goal. See, the goal is to be back in fellowship with God and, and be back at a place where our heart will allow us to receive those resources. John says when your heart condemns you, even though God's greater than your heart, you still can't get your prayers answered. You still can't connect to what God has freely given you in Jesus. You're not earning this. You're harmonizing with it. You're deciding if you're going to harmonize with it. You're deciding if this is going to be a part of your relationship with God. By the way, let me just let me just take just a minute and say this. And I have an incredible series that supports this. It's going to give you a nearly it was it's eight messages that are about 45 to 50 minutes long it, that is going to walk you down this path. It's called the stress antidote. If you're watching right now on YouTube, you can click on this and 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 look at it and get more information. You can download it and you can start walking this journey tonight or you can go to my website, www.impactministries.com. I'm telling you, you can, you can download this right now and you can begin making a journey because I can only share so much in these broadcasts, but for people who are passionate to pursue something, I, I always put together meaty, valuable, relevant series for the people who say, you know what, I'm going for this. I'm, I'm having this. So if you're, if you're wanting to live in peace, you're wanting to get out of stress and out of all that stress brings to you, all the death, destruction, pain, sorrow that, that, that brings to you, then I got the tools for you to do it. I want you to get it, I want you to get it right away. Start making this journey. So listen, so, so we, our goal is to get back in fellowship where we are intimately connected to God and where we are experiencing participation in the inheritance that Jesus got us. That's what, see, our fellowship with God's always through the Lord Jesus. And our inheritance is always through the Lord Jesus because we're, we're in Him. We're intimately connected to Him.
So, so, so that's the goal. Now, 1 John, the first chapter, starting in verse 5, starts talking about fellowship. It starts coming down this process. And, and sadly, if you don't understand the Scripture, you don't understand that he's describing exactly what the Scripture describes about coming back to the place of peace so that in that peace, your relationship is, is reconnected. You're reconnected to God. You're experiencing God. But you also have the confidence to experience all of His provision and, and all of His resources. So, so John, you know, John tells you, he said, now listen. He tells you the same thing the Scripture tells you. He says, you're going to, you know, if you say you have no sin at all, you're just deceiving yourself. And uh, man, you know, people will say, well, well, I'm saved. See, I don't have sin. I've been washed by the blood of Jesus. Well, let me tell you, I understand that. But you know what? There's about eight or nine different Greek words for sin, and there's about a dozen different Hebrew words for sin. There's sin that we don't even know we've committed. And, and, and the point here is not sin in the sense of God's trying to find fault with you, because sin basically is that which affects you negative. It affects your perception of God. It affects your perception of yourself. Is that which creates a barrier between you and what God has provided for you in Jesus. Sin is not God trying to find fault with you. Sin is what you do that negatively affects your ability to live in God's reality. And others, so, so you end up living in some alternate reality uh, that is not, never as good as what God is trying to give you and what God's trying to offer to you. Uh, and remember, we used the example last week. You know, Jesus, used the, He used the example of washing our feet. Even though we've been made clean, we need to wash our feet. We need from time to time uh, to deal with what influences us from the world, what, what corruption comes into our heart, what unbelief comes in, what fear comes in, or what selfishness creeps in, or the, you know, whatever. It really doesn't matter. And so, and so the key is in this, in this pathway to peace, which is a, a New Testament description of an Old Testament teaching about the peace offering. One of the things we have to do is we have to confess our sin. Man, people in pop theology lose their minds over this. And part of it is because of what religion has done. Religion has made confessing your sin a horrible, groveling, begging. No, that's not, that's not what we're talking about. The word confess, more than anything else, means to, to say the same thing. So in other words, I've got to say the same thing about my sin that God says. I've got to say the same thing about my sin that the Bible says. And I've got to say the same thing about my sin that my heart is saying to me. But you also want to remember uh, the concept of confession would also be, in, in the Hebrew, would be the exact word to pick up a stone and throw it. And so the concept is, if I'm confessing anything, whether I'm confessing my sins or whatever, I, this gives me the opportunity to throw it away. I can't throw something away that I will not own or that I will not admit is there. And, and the idea of confessing your sin is not so that you can wallow in your sin. Because, see, the, word, the Hebrew word for confess, the root word is yada. Now, yada is the root word of praise. It's the root word of worship. It's the root word of thanksgiving. So the whole idea that confessing your sin is just about dwelling on the negatives. First of all, I, I've got to confess it in the sense of yes, 
this is what I did, or yes, this is what I wanted to do, or yes, this is what I've been thinking about, or yes, this is what my imagination's been taking me to, yeah, whatever it is, own it. I've got to own it, because it's, it's like the example I use. I can't get this rock out of my shoe if, if I don't hold it first. I can't throw it away if I don't take hold of it. So I'm taking hold of this now. I'm owning this thing. I'm saying what the Bible says about it. I'm saying what my heart says about it. It's in my mouth. In other words, there's no deceit in me about this. Yes, this is, and remember with sin, we're just talking about anything that makes me feel less than who God says I am. So it may not even be something I've done wrong. It's just maybe some feeling. Maybe, I, maybe somebody talked hateful to me and made me feel like I was less than who God says I am. Beat up my self-worth. See, it's not about bad. It's about reaching the goal that God has for you of who you really are, of what His resources are for your life, what He's trying to bring you into, the, all the good stuff. That's the whole thing. Sin is just a belief, an idea, or a behavior that restricts us from having all the good things that God has freely given us in Jesus. You say, well, how could it restrict us? Well, it's like this. If you have chosen, I, I use this example, this is kind of crass, but it's like if you lay your hand out here and you start, you start hitting your hand with a hammer, man, you can pray, you can confess, you can read scripture about, about your hand not hurting all day long, but you know what? Your hand's gonna keep hurting. And the only way your hand's gonna quit hurting is it's gonna start with you stop hitting it. Like I tell people, you know, people come in for counsel, I say, well, you know, one of the first things you gotta do is you gotta stop stepping on the landmines. You can't keep making destructive decisions and have a great life. So, so I got to own this thing and I've got to own that this is the source of my problem. God's not the source of my problem. My wife is not the source of my problem. My kids are not the source of my problem. I am the source because of what I believe and what I have decided and what I've allowed into my life. And, but see, it doesn't stop there because in the peace offering, not only did they own what their problem was, but they had to own the fact and say and acknowledge, but God has made a way. See, this is where you go back to Jesus. This is where what came to destroy you turns out a building you up and giving you a new life. This is where you go back to like Jesus, even though I chose this, even though I did this, even though I'm tempted with this, even though I'm struggling with this, I know that I am in you and I am righteous in you. I know that your blood has cleansed me. And I know that, that right now your blood has cleansed me. I know you've already died for my sins. I know you're not holding this against me. And really, we turn this into praise and worship where we're reconnecting to God and beginning to acknowledge all the good things that we have in Christ, begin to acknowledge all of God's resources, which is ours, and begin to acknowledge the, our free, I am free from this. I'm free from this temptation. I choose to be free because I'm under grace. I'm not under law. Therefore, this sin has no power over me. And so what starts out as owning the problem ends with owning the solution. And the solution is intimate connection with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and really a washing of our feet, so to speak, by the blood of Jesus that cleanses our conscience from the very root of what's even drawing us in this problem. I'll tell you something. If instead of denying your sin, I said, you know, and, and remember, you're just deceiving yourself. You, you may not know what it is. We all, we've all got things we don't even recognize. I don't want to deceive myself. I want to get washed from it. And I want to move on by seeing who I am in Jesus, believing who I am in Jesus, and having the grace and power to live as I really am in Jesus. Listen, 
just take just a few minutes at the end of this broadcast and, and be sure, it won't take but just a few seconds, and subscribe to this program. You'll get, you'll get a notification every time I release something that's going to be edifying and going to be helpful to you. You'll help thousands of people all over the world. But then after you do that, I want you to shut your computer down, turn your television off, however you're watching this, and I want you to go reconnect to Jesus. And I want you to move from the place of owning the sin to owning the victory. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com, with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.